0: Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. So we are now going to be listening to Brian and Maria Rice sharing their word. I've heard it's quite funny. I've not seen it, so I'm excited to see it. It should, hopefully, if all our software works, pop up behind us. I really hope you guys enjoy this one. In a jam-packed 15 minutes this morning, we're going to bring you the American music teacher whose talents beautifully captures the mood of the nations as we explore what it means to lament.
1: And we show you how to keep your pets occupied during lockdown and how you and I can find some peace in the store.
0: We have an exciting movie trailer for you. For people bored to tears in the lockdown, desperate for a smile, as we explore the need to laugh in the face of fear.
1: But first, these are of course very strange times that we're living in. Um, Social media is awash with stuff that we should do to help us stay occupied and to stay sane. Um, Peter helpfully suggested last week that we could learn a new skill like, uh, I don't know, banjo or taxidermy. Uh, Make sure your pets are dead first, of course, Um, and I wanted to explore, (laughs) too soon, too soon, soon. Uh, another reason, um, another response to really to what is going on, and one American music teacher summed it up beautifully.
0: Hey, so as some of you guys might know, I'm a music teacher, and I found that one of the best ways that I can process the whole transition to online learning and teaching is to write a song. So I wrote a song. I'd like to share that with you guys now.
1: Here we go. Words often fail us in these times. Um, a response that I've that been uh, working on and thinking on over the last sort of five or six weeks or so is this whole Old Testament thing of lamenting. Um, if you're not familiar with that word, and some of you watching today might not be, uh, lament, if you look in the dictionary, is described as um, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Um, and I'm just aware many people have lost a lot more than just their raison d'etre, their, their purpose. They've been bereaved. Um, just before we started recording this, we spent uh, a minute's silence uh, thinking of all those NHS key workers who've died during this pandemic. But all of us, in some ways, have also been bereaved as well. I mean, all the certainties the hope and our futures and all of our plans that, that we had laid out, ready to roll, that almost seemed inevitable, they have been taken away quite suddenly, uh, without warning. And, and that's grief. Um, and that's a natural reaction to a sudden loss unexpected. And the good news is that this feeling of loss and bereavement is a perfectly natural response and one that has a solid Biblical precedent. I can't be up on the Joe Wicks videos doing a workout, mainly because I am a physical specimen of brilliance anyway. But, um, let's roll back... (laughs) Uh, Let's roll back just a little bit. So, uh, in the Old Testament, um, it's 586 BC. Uh, Jerusalem, the Holy City, has been all but destroyed by an invading army called the Chaldeans. And one of the prophets, uh, a writer called Jeremiah, he wrote this. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She who was once queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. And that image that, that uh, Jeremiah writes about of empty streets so full of people, and that reaction of bitter tears is not unsurprising given the situation that they find themselves in, a desolate city, suddenly destroyed by a war. And to describe what's going on now as a war, I suppose we could. It certainly feels like that. Um, And many people might just kind of recognise that sense of when you see images of empty streets and empty shops and empty parks, Um, what, What a sense of loss, of bereavement it is. And a real puzzlement about what is happening. Where is God in the middle of all this? Now as Christians we know that God is in the restoration business. He takes the broken and the battered and those that feel crushed and he loves to restore people. Jeremiah carries on his writing in Lamentations when he says this, I remember my affliction and my wondering, I remember the bitterness and the gall, and he is he's not holding back, he's not pretending to do a workout, make a cake, learn a language, he just can't do anything. He just says, I well remember them, my soul is downcast within me, because he's lost so much. But he's not completely defeated, because he says this, yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails they are new every morning great is your faithfulness i say to myself the lord is my portion therefore i will wait for him he does not hide from the pain he recognizes that sense of being downcast but in the midst of all that is hope because the lord's great love we are not consumed so this morning, if you're feeling downcast or crushed, and we all react differently, don't we? We do. So Maria is, is very, very much a glass half full kind of person, and I'm Brian. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you are indeed. I oh, am. Yeah. Um, but if you're feeling downcast or crushed, please don't push that away or brush that aside as if it's not a fair response. It's okay. You can respond to God this morning simply by offering yourself to him. Acknowledging that this is where you find yourself this morning. And then allow him to envelope you in his love which does not fail. Be gentle with yourself, and allow God to be compassionate to you, to wrap you in his arms like any loving parent would do. Maria.
0: Thanks, Brian. As Brian explored a natural reaction to the extraordinary circumstances that we find ourselves in, it's good news that we can move on from that mourning to joy, but it is a process. To help us, Paul writes some incredibly insightful words in the book of Philippians that is written during his own time of isolation in a prison cell. It's highly unlikely that he was allowed to pop out to the shops for a pint of milk or to take an hour's exercise a day. In fact, the only certainty Paul had over his future was his impending execution which makes his letter to the church in Philippi even more remarkable, as later it became known as the Epistle of Joy. Learning to be content in confinement is a tough thing to do, especially if you're a high-maintenance pet. This is how we've had to keep our dog Hugo, who is a very mad border collie, content in all circumstances. In Philippians chapter 4 11, uh, verses 11 to 13 Paul writes, for I have learned be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The process of contentment is not automatic. Paul had to learn, and he learnt this the hard way. Despite what was facing him in prison, he had a sense of contentment deep within, and a confidence of who he was and who he was in his relationship with Jesus. And this is key. His circumstances did not rule over his body, mind, soul and spirit. He had no power over the circumstances around him. He expresses that whether he was well fed or hungry, in plenty or in need, his sense of being fixed in Christ was the anchor that prevented his soul from drifting during this isolation, his isolation, our isolation. The source of his contentment that Paul writes about is in him who gives me strength, the focus. Is without doubt, without question, upon Jesus. Perhaps if you are watching this this morning and you are struggling to find that place of contentment, then it is important that, like Paul to know, you cannot control what is happening in your outward circumstance, but you can decide where you put the anchor, the anchor your soul. I would encourage you to speak directly to God to ask him to reveal Jesus, his strength that we all need to face in our current situations. Paul's faith in Christ was all that he needed. In fact, earlier in his letter, he talks how his faith in Jesus surpassed everything that he'd ever achieved or owned or had become. He writes, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of this passing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You find that in Philippians chapter three and verse seven. No matter how you feel and what you feel you might have lost, placing your faith in Jesus can bring you to a place of contentment where despite all that is happening around you, the chaos, the loss, you remain anchored and secure, able to weather the storm. Carrying on our journey that we have explored, we are looking for mourning and contentment. Now Brian will explore what it is...
1: Oh, I've messed it up there. Yeah, you? I think we should leave that in, though, because it shows that we're human, aren't we? And oh, we do that oh just, again? Do that just, just do that. Again. Just do that a bit again. Bear with us. me. Just bear bear
0: with we're all me. Learning. We're all learning. It's, not, it's at a distance, this. It is.
1: Say. At a distance. Social distance. It's actually, the script is about two metres away, yeah. so that's... We're offling now. Let's offling. move on. Okay, go. Back to it. No matter.
0: No matter. Carrying on our journey that we have explored this morning through morning contentment now Brian will explore whether laughter really is the best medicine. See, that
1: could appear like it was scripted because that was all about laughter, wasn't it? It was. That's Brilliant. Okay, fantastic. Is laughter the best medicine? We'll find out. Well, that was a smooth transition. I felt. So anyway, all, uh, good. I, all, good. all good. All good. So in the Old Testament, the Book of Proverbs, it says this: "A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones." Uh, You've probably heard it said very often that uh, laughter is the best medicine, which is funny, really, because it's never prescribed. No. Never prescribed. But British people are remarkably resilient in a crisis, and it's incredible just how many people have resorted to finding humour in the darkest of places. Some of it quite questionable, you might say. For example, and this is a brilliant joke, I thought, uh, Donald Trump hilariously suggested that one of the ways that you could beat the virus would be to inject yourself with disinfectant. He was only being sarcastic. He doesn't understand what sarcasm means? Mm -hmm. No, not at all. Uh, No one would expect a world leader to suggest that. I mean, that would be ridiculous, so clearly he must have been joking. The Bible is packed with references to laughter. In the book of uh, Job, um, the stories of a faithful follower of God who has lost everything. He's lost his home, his family, his fortune. And he is left picking his sores on a donkey. heap. Now, I know that's not quite a laugh a minute, you know, and if you were to turn it into a sitcom, it'd be a hard sell. But amongst the mayhem and the loss, one of his comforters leans into to the suffering Job and whispers in his ears, he says this, He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. That's Job chapter 8 and verse 21. Job, he says to him, in other words, Better day is coming. Now, many Jewish scholars and rabbis uh, say that Job, as an actual person, may not have actually existed. But the moral of the story holds true, that God will help you find your joy and your laughter again. Hang on in there. Jesus touches on the same theme when he delivers his Sermon on the Mount. Interestingly, when Jesus is giving these, these talks, called the Beatitudes now, his words aren't directed at the crowds in front of him but they're right into the eyes of his disciples and he says this to them blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh luke chapter 6 and verse 21 and i wonder when he looked into the eyes of his disciples and he said that whether jesus was alluding to his death here he knew that he was going to die and he knew his disciples would be crushed and would be scattered and they'd be terrified but my goodness when death is defeated and Jesus is risen again, there is so much laughter. we come on a long journey in a short space of time this morning. We started with lamenting, and David, the psalmist, sings a song of restoration when the Lord restores the fortunes of the land. He says like this, When the Lord restores the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And this psalm was allegedly written after the Israelites, the people of God, were returned from captivity to their own land. And that sense of being in captivity is something we can all identify with. And to be free to run again, to be free to laugh again and to meet again is something that is just a dream that we may have at the moment. We were like those who dreamed, is how he said, when we were able to come together again. And uh, Ecclesiastes, who always has his finger on the pulse, says, there is a time for everything. A time to weep, yes indeed, but also a time to laugh. A time to mourn, yes, but also a time to dance. And who says that these things need to run chronologically? Isn't it true that laughter is medicine to the soul? In the midst of our circumstances, you might find yourself locked down into a domestic humdrum, but don't let that stop you finding the joy. You've sorted through the sock drawer, You've done the garden 16 times, but life can feel like one day runs into the next. So why not make an action movie about the small domestic chores that make up your life? Let's run the video.
0: The reality of this morning is that we're all in that same boat. Some of us are feeling at sea and a bit seasick, others are longing for the shoreline, and some of us are making our fishing rods. Wherever you are today we would like to pray for you. There have been some fantastic prayers that people have put up on uh, social media and this is one that we came across Uh, from uh, the Anglican Church. And it's a prayer that I'd just like to read and and to pray over you today. Ever-present God, be with us in our isolation. Be close to us in our distancing. Be healing in our sickness. Be joy in our sadness. Be light in our darkness. Be wisdom in our confusion. Be all that is familiar when all is unfamiliar, that when the doors reopen, we may, with the zeal of Pentecost, mm. inhabit our communities and speak of your goodness to the emerging world. For Jesus' sake,
1: amen. 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 Look, see you soon. We hope. To stay safe, everybody. God bless you. And if this all comes out all right, it's nothing short of a miracle. God bless you. God see bless you all you. soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Brian and Maria, for sharing your thoughts with us as only you can. (laughs) It was great.